0: you were tuned to nerd noise radio channel 2 season 3 starts now <laughs> Thank you for joining us, dear listeners. You are tuned to Nerd Noise Radio Channel 2. Today's broadcast is C2E11 for either February 23rd, 2023, or March 2nd, 2023. We're going to leave ourselves flexible on that point. Today's theme is space and extraplanetary music on a program we're calling, It's Space Time! And as always, I'm joined by Hugh. Hugh, how's it going? Why it's going pretty good. Doing all right. How are you? Uh, things are going okay. Uh, this is the start of a new year for us. Uh, how did last year end for you? What's been going on, uh, in the meantime?
1: Well, that's a good question. How did last year end? You know, we don't do much for new years. We're pretty low key about that. Okay. And I guess it's already like March by the time people are listening to this. So maybe they don't want to hear about new years at this point. Um, kind of quiet time, you know, getting through a few little projects here and there. I, um, posted a couple catalog scans because I had a lot of free time in January and some catalogs to scan and people seem to like that stuff. I've noticed like there was, a, I guess Nintendo must have posted something about the new Breath of the Wild game being $70 because suddenly like some catalogs I have with $70 games are like being shared on, I guess, Reddit and P- I only find about this the second hand because I don't go on Reddit. Um, that's kind of fun people you know people complain that there's a $70 game coming out and then other people remind them that like all Nintendo 64 games were $70 when they came out
0: yeah yeah uh well and then when you when you figure in when you figure in uh inflation stuff it's even
1: higher oh yeah yeah if you adjust for that I don't know how any of that works but um yeah like you know, uh, Shadows of the Empire would be like $150 today by that criteria, I guess.
0: Sure. Sure. Yeah, it's... I mean, I don't love that games are 70 bucks now. You know, I, I miss when they were 30 or 40 bucks. But if you figure inflation and you figure how much it costs the developers to make a game, how many people that have to be paid to make that game, $70 is not unreasonable.
1: Yeah, I mean, the reality is for like... A Breath of the Wild sequel, most people would pay $200. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, if you think about, like, dollars, if you you do, like, the dollars per hour math, like, an Uncharted game might cost more to make than a Breath of the Wild game. Maybe it's the same range, I don't know. The credits for an Uncharted game go on for, like, seven or eight years, if you've ever finished one. (laughs) So it seems like there's a lot of people involved. Yeah. Um, But, like, dollars per hour it's not even close, like a a really, really good Uncharted game is maybe like at most like 12 hours.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: that's if you really kind of dork around a lot in the game. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, Breath of the Wild you will probably play that sequel whatever it's called, for like 200 hours. That's my guess. 200 hours will be the average play time for the, the second Breath of the Wild game.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see what those what those numbers come out when that when that game comes out. Now, that game is coming out in May, right?
2: mm mm-hmm. Mhm.
1: Yeah, it'll be out in May.
3: Okay. Okay.
1: I mean, the last thing I played was the um the Crisis Core remake. If you go back, I think if you go back to our episode called like Songs of the Quarantine. I think maybe that has a Crisis Core song on it. One of our episodes has a uh, a song for the PSP version of Crisis Core, but
0: the remake is the same soundtrack, so I guess it doesn't matter. Sure. No, that was uh, that was actually Slow Music from Fast Times. That was... Uh, okay. Yeah, season two, episode one.
1: Okay. Well, I was close.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But anyhow, what have you been up to? Well, so I have been on a quest to get a dock for every TV and computer station in my house for the Steam Deck, so I can just carry the thing from place to place. I'm actually recording my side of this conversation on the Steam Deck because the big rig is out of commission right now I think it's worst case scenario it needs a new SSD or a new M.2 SSD so it's not like a catastrophic thing it's just I haven't really needed haven't really needed to do anything with it so I haven't done anything with it so I've got the I'm down here in the computer station but I have the Steam Deck hooked up to a dock to everything so for the people who care about that this episode is at least partially pr- going to be produced on the Steam Deck also, uh, since last we spoke on Channel 2, this has been used on Channel 1, and it has come up in Channel 1. But this is Channel 2's debut of my new mic, the Shure SM7B, which is you know, monetarily quite an upgrade from the Rode Pod mic. It's four times the price. It's also a very popular mic. It's, I, I could be mistaken, but I'm not deliberately exaggerating when I say I, I am under the impression this is the single most popular mic. In uh, professional radio stations, in U- with YouTubers and Twitch streamers and that kind of stuff. So, I'm not really a fan of Joe Rogan, but if you think Joe Rogan and that big weird cylinder-looking mic he has, that's an SM7B. So that's what I'm using, and I'm int- I'm excited to see how it sounds in the mix on channel two. You, the the sound difference is there versus the pod mic on channel 1 and I, I think it's better it's i think it sounds better but i think its big advantages aren't raw sound quality it's things like it's more resistant to to uh, to bumps and plosives and that kind of thing it uh it's more consistent you know like it, the pod mic might sound amazing on one set of speakers and then sound either really thin or like super boomy on other ones whereas the pod or the uh, sm7b is much more consistent across different sound sources so it's uh i think it's And that was the reason I decided to take a chance on it, you know, because I'm like, you know, sometimes this pod mic sounds great and sometimes it sounds bad. And I'm worried I'm going to give someone a bad experience if they're using the wrong speakers. And so I I got the SM7B hoping that it would be more consistent. And it was. So, but it'll be curious to see how it sounds in the mix with you and with the music and all that stuff. So... Uh, what else is new? You know, actually, I've, for all the talk I've made about how my Switch gets used so much less, you know, basically zero, I really am seriously thinking about picking up that Metroid Prime remaster, which would, of course, mean that all of a sudden it's getting a lot of use. Have you had a chance to look into that at all?
1: No, no, I still have. I literally own a shrink-wrapped uh, copy of Metroid Prime for the GameCube. Okay. Um, because I bought it on clearance for nine ninety nine, and said, oh, I'm going to totally play that. And then I never did. Okay. Um, it, I might pick up the remake. So I guess I can, I'm not going to do this as me being facetious, but I could get my Metroid Prime like water graded and then, <laughs> you know, get into that whole like sealed game scam that's going on.
0: Oh, of course. Of course you could. I mean, I, I doubt you will. And I, I hope you don't, but you, yes, absolutely. You could. Yeah, so I had Metroid Prime 1 and 2 on the GameCube. Uh, I am O for 2. 0 for 2 in systems that I've lent to people over the years and gotten back. I, had, I, I have not gotten back either of the systems I've lent out, and so I lost Metroid Prime 1 and 2. Now, I ended up getting the Metroid Prime Trilogy on the Wii, so I can play it that way. Uh, but... No, the, the the Switch remaster it's not just an up res. Like they've like redid the, all the textures, they redid some of the models, they've done some of the, some lighting stuff, so it's it's not going to look as good as a theoretical Metroid Prime Four built from the ground up, but it's not just an HD remat. It's not just an HD upres. It's like a full-on remaster. So, and I love Metroid Prime. Uh, my favorite Metroid game of all time is either Super Metroid or Metroid Prime. So, I think I might actually give my Switch a little bit of action here in the near future because of that. All right. So. Do you have any other top of the show business? I, I know for a fact I'm forgetting something. I hope I remember it in out and end of the show. Uh, nope. I don't have anything else. I'm just
1: looking at water graded uh, Metroid Prime <laughs> copies. <laughs> and? Uh, $700 is the is the cheapest. Cheapest. Okay. All right. Yeah. Neat. Now, uh, zero bits. Just throwing that out there.
0: Sure. Sure. Sure.
1: I'm going to okay. put mine off like $20 and just wreck their market.
0: that's funny yeah yeah see what happens if you do that so yeah so as we discussed our our theme this episode is space music Uh, and our opening track is called Snow on the Moon from the North American version of Fantavision on the PS2 composed by the late Ashif Hakik now have you played Fantavision? no I I hadn't even heard of it until uh, you brought it up okay it's it's a fun little game. It's basically a firework simulator. Okay. You know, it's it doesn't really play like a rhythm. I mean, it's not, don't think like DDR. You know, you're not doing anything with your feet, but it's kind of a glorified rhythm game slash puzzle game all at once. Okay. And you're just, you know, the camera flies over the, you know, whatever the environment is, and, and uh, you're setting off chains of fireworks. It's a really cute, quirky, fun game. And... So is it, is it like Missile Command, maybe? Uh, in, it, yes, yes. I, I, I don't think that's an outlandish comparison to make. It, it's, except instead of trying to stop the bombs from... Well, no, yeah. It's kind of like an inverted Missile Command. They're not coming from the sky. They're coming from the ground, and you're trying to set off these chain reactions and getting high scores that way. It was, uh, it was one of the very first games we got we played. When we got our PS2, when I got my PS2 on my 21st uh, birthday, and what's fun is the game came out in North America, Japan, and and you and uh, Europe, and they all had different soundtracks. Okay, and the soundtracks are not remarkably similar. There was even a. Uh, a semi-sequel in Japan, Futuri no Fantavision. I don't know if it, you'd consider it a proper sequel or just kind of an upgraded version, but it had yet another soundtrack. So uh, this is kind of... A, this game, in all of its permutations, is kind of this rich vein of, of music.
1: Okay, cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. And people... I like all three versions, uh, let's say all four versions, I like all four versions and I can see why people would favor any of them over the others, but I think my personal favorite, my personal least favorite rather is the European version, uh, whereas my personal favorite is either the American version or the Japanese uh, follow-up, you know, the Futurino no Fantavision. One of those two is, is my personal favorite. But yeah, you should check it out. Have you had? Have you got your PS5 yet? Uh, no, no. I, I, uh, again, my
1: criteria is I have to be able to walk into a target and see it on the shelf.
0: Yeah, no, of course. But I, I I've heard that the availability's gotten better, so I didn't know if you had had a chance to snag it. No, the yet.
1: local target still has a sign that says, "For the safety of our associates, you cannot buy a PS5 in our store." <laughs> okay, good. Hey, Which no, says I, everything you need to know about modern gaming culture.
0: Yes, that's a humongous indictment on on our culture, but at the very least, I'm glad they're taking employee safety seriously. Yes. Yes. Yes.
1: I mean, GameStop employees are literally being robbed at gunpoint for these things, if you haven't heard about that in the news.
0: No, I haven't, Uh, and... and I'm disgusted by the fact that that does not surprise me. Neither neither that, that there would be people who would do that, but that GameStop would do nothing about it except say, well, go take a five-minute break. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, so uh, for PS5 owners, if you go for the, the top tier of their, their online service, you have this huge catalog of back back system games that you can download for free and among them is fantavision so anyone within the sound of my voice uh, who has a ps5 and has that service go go download the game go you know go play it see what you think of it uh, but i think that's really all i have to say about this for now what's you what's your opening salvo of the day
1: um okay so my first pick is uh from an arcade game that i got really hooked on in the early zeros although i think it technically came out in the 90s uh dig dug arrangement and this is level six or area six i should say the moon's surface um it's they don't list who did the arrangement for the this particular song but the original music was by yuriko uh, kaino dig dug arrangement this is such a fun addictive game and it's a two-player game you know it's one you can play like if your kids aren't any good at dig dug that's fine you can kind of compensate for them it's uh it's really fun and the music really i mean it's not this isn't particularly spacey music i suppose uh maybe a little bit of a spacey remix of the original song okay Uh, but, but i think it's a lot of fun
0: well, so in our in our private conversation where we sorted our tracks, you told me a little bit about this version of the game, but for the sake of our purposes of mm-hmm. our listeners, for the sake of our listeners, why don't you have that conversation with me again?
1: Well, it's like, you know, Dig Dug, all the levels are basically the same. I mean, I know like the monsters starting different positions and that kind of stuff. Uh, Dig Dug Arrangement, like all the levels have different layouts and there's all kinds of power-ups. You can get like, you know, faster um, air pump. And you, at one point, you can get a blaster, right? But if you get hit, then you lose all your power ups. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's new kinds of enemies, um, just all kinds of, of enhancements to the game, and there's actual boss battles too. So you'll fight like a giant version of a dig dug enemy, and you have to like use either bombs or or the blaster to uh, to, to take him out. That that part plays a little bit like a Bomberman game, maybe. Uh, But, you know, again, there's like at the end of every world, and I guess there's six worlds, there's a boss battle like that.
3: Okay,
0: I'm doing a quick little Google search here. It seems to me the blaster would be just way too powerful. It is, yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely is.
1: It doesn't spawn very often.
3: Okay, okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I'm. Get, yeah. These pictures. Okay. Yeah. You're right. It's like, it's like Dig Dug, but just upgraded in every way. Now I'm looking, trying to see some of the boss battles here, but I'm I'm not seeing it. Yeah. That's okay. That's okay. We can we can go on. Uh, is there anything else you want to say about this track or about this music?
1: Uh no. I mean, all the. Ga- I mean, every song in the game is kind of you know like a remix of the original music. Sure.
3: A variation you know, just just, a just
1: Yeah, just variation kind of based on what the setting is that you're in. Okay. Okay. And is there an easy way to play it today? It is on a lot of these arcade collections. Like, I have it on a GameCube and, I think, PS2 collection. Okay. Um, anything called, like, Namco Museum has it. And I don't know what systems Namco Museum
0: is on right now, but I, I just assume they keep remaking it for everything. I want to say there it's available on the switch. I imagine it'd be available on Steam. You know it's funny though how many of the how many games you have to go back to the the PS two era to get a collection of you know Zybots, I can't yeah. find Zybots anywhere. I, uh, a quick update. we last time we did an episode, we were talking about how I was about to receive an Atari Lynx. Oh yeah. And I yeah, I got it. It's uh it's a blast. I, I don't I mean, I was right. I played it I played a ton of it for a couple days and then barely played it after that, but I did buy the Lynx version of Zybots. And have you played the Lynx version of Zybots?
1: I have not, but I'm not a big fan of the original Zybots.
0: Okay. It's interesting where they it, it's such a smart port. You know, because they, they had to cut certain corners, of course. You know, the music's redone on the uh, the less powerful sound chip and you don't have multiple screens, so you you can't see the map at the same time. You have to press a button to see the map. Mm-hmm. But those are about the only compromise. I mean, like the the actual gameplay proper is virtually arcade perfect. You know, okay. both in how it Good. plays and how it looks. It's 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 great. It's it, as far as home ports go. I I have nothing but praise for the the uh, links. The Lynx port of uh, of Zybots. So, and it wasn't a fortune either. I think I paid like 15 bucks for it or something like that in box.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, if you go to like Midwest Gaming Classic, I think that's a game you see for sale a lot there. Okay. There's a couple vendors, or maybe one vendor who has like piles of boxed Lynx games. And I think Zybots is one I recall seeing there a lot. So I think it's okay. a pretty common boxed game.
3: Okay. Okay.
1: That's probably about right is, is my guess.
0: Somewhere, I, I remember once upon a time, uh, long, 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 long before I ever had my links, I had a Lynx game. and so I, after I got the system, i tore, I just tore my house apart trying to find this thing and never succeeded. So but you know, maybe some maybe someday I'll like just have California games tumble out of a cardboard box okay. or something. but okay, so my next track, this is this is probably as cheaty as I'm gonna get in the entire episode. Uh, this is Terran Theme 3 from StarCraft on the PC but i think in the lore of the game in this case terra is not earth it's some earth like planet so uh, i ver- i came very close to discarding this track because it just was so it was too earthy but it's such a great piece of music and i think it really be- will benefit the episode that we decide to keep it in so it is Terran Theme 3 from StarCraft on the PC, composed by one or more of Glenn Stafford, Jason Hayes, Derek Duke, Big Tuna, which I'm guessing is his given name, and Tracy W. Bush. So let's go ahead and check it out. That is Terran Theme Three from StarCraft. You, I do trust you've played this game. Nope. No. Nope. <laughs>
3: okay.
1: Nope. I've, I, lo- I don't think I played any game with Craft in the title.
0: So you haven't played the original original Warcraft either.
1: I have not. No. I own. I think I own Warcraft Two for the Saturn. Maybe.
3: Okay. I okay.
1: Don't, um. I don't play a lot. You know, I liked Herzog's Y back in the day, but I don't really
0: get into strategy games in general. This is like a this is like an RTS game. Yeah, it, yeah, I guess that'd be a fair way. To, you build you build your encampment, and then you go you defend it against people coming at you, and then you go attack their encampment and stuff. You've got uh, you've got three different species. You've got Terrans, which are humans. and You've got like the Zerg, which are kind of not quite, but. Uh, There, there are these big bug alien kind of things, and you've got the Protoss, which are kind of like these um, telepathic creatures, I believe, vaguely humanoid, but with more creative liberties, I guess. Mm -hmm. I love, you know, I love this thing we have here, where like neither one of us—I mean, so few—we've played so few games that the other ones bring. You know, I love that. Like, yeah, (laughs) yeah.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I mostly—I mean, I have kind of weird tastes in games, so it's not too surprising.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, so we got into PC gaming very late. I I got my first real computer when I the summer after I graduated high school, and I mean you know this was 1998. It was a 486. So it wasn't. I mean, Pentium was out by then. So it wasn't cutting edge, but it was still capable. You know, I I didn't run into a problem trying to play a game until I tried playing Quake Two. But uh, you know, I played. Uh, that's when I really played the, the PC version of Doom for the first time, and Wolfenstein, and and uh, Warcraft, and all that stuff. And then, when I was twenty, I worked a very brief stint at uh, CompUSA, <laughs> back when that okay. was a thing. And yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, picked up Star. I worked at the upgrade counter, and I picked up StarCraft, and I just it was it was Warcraft mechanically. It was just a touched up Warcraft, but the aesthetic was completely different, and I had a blast with it. I thought it was fantastic. It's been ages and ages since I've played it, though. So I'm just going on really dusty memories. But, yeah, I wish I I I could talk to you more about it, but you've never played it, so we really don't have a touchstone
1: there. I know it's really popular. You know, I I know that much.
0: Yeah. 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 There's no world of StarCraft, though, so it's not as popular as, as its predecessor, but... It is a good game. If you if you uh, find it for pennies, you should you should check it out. Uh, the music. Okay, so let's talk about the yeah. music a little bit. It's I love how this starts out so kind of almost ambient, and then it works its way up to. It gets outright heavy at a couple points.
1: It does. Yeah, I mean the part where we're kind of looking back to here is pretty pretty frantic.
0: Yeah, it's kind of going into it right now. Yeah. Yeah, like this part
1: could be a doom level, right?
0: It could, yes, yes, it could. But I love so. I chose the Terran th- theme because I thought the Zerg and Protoss themes were less compelling. They were, they were good. I, I almost chose one of the Zerg tracks, but they just didn't, they didn't stack up to to the Terran tracks. So, in fact, if memory serves, I could be mistaken. But if memory serves, uh, the episode of Channel One that just came out, uh, C1E72, has a track from Starcraft. A different track, uh, but a track from Starcraft. I think it was. I think it, so. The reason I'm confused there is, I re, I produced three different music blocks for future Mishmash Monday episodes all at once, and then I've been rolling them out a little bit at a time, and we just used one of them, and I can't remember if it was the one we just used or if it was the one that we're gonna use at the end of the year that had the StarCraft track. Okay. But I know the one that just released uh, in February uh, did have a different track from Fantavision. So I know we're doing that at least once with this episode, using a track from a game that we used on the most recent channel one. So you, sure, you should have uh, saved that for like a 4th of July themed episode. Oh, <laughs> well, uh, there's enough, stuff from fantavision that i'll i'll have an opportunity <laughs> to do that to so
1: well there's three different versions of the soundtrack so you know you could you could pick any of them
0: or a mix and match of them yeah yeah
1: same game different soundtrack that's it that's a potential theme
0: it is it is also well, so, of- so
1: it's fantavision sonic cd and now i'm i'm out of games <laughs> uh Um, i can probably find some more let's we don't need to research it live that's an interesting one
0: yeah yeah let's kick that around for a future episode yeah and listeners if you if you heard that and got excited and you have a bunch of ideas to dump on us nerd.noise.radio at gmail.com or any of our social media outlets and i don't mean like there's a genesis version and
1: a super nintendo version and they're different sound chips but it's the same composition i mean like like a game that had a completely different soundtrack in a different region.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Uh, there, there are going to be other ones. Yeah. So let's move on from that subject yeah. now, but let's not forget about it. Let's not lose that in the shuffle. So what's your next one?
1: Uh, I decided I want to have a little um, system variety. So I, I started looking at games on the game gear that I thought would fit. Okay. And I stumbled across Alien 3, which um, is a mad furnace. Soundtrack. So I'm like, well that's gotta be pretty good. So I, I listened mm-hmm. to the whole soundtrack and decided on track four as being my favorite, in the soundtrack. Okay. Let's fire that up. Alien three game gear track four Matt Furnace. Sounds like the solution to a clue game. Let's go. Alien 3 for the Game Gear. Um, this is same game, same soundtrack, I believe, on other systems. Uh, the Game Gear just has this weird kind of wobbly sound to it. I don't know how else to describe it.
0: Yeah, so what's what's happening here, there's this, this uh, special mode with the SN76489 sound chip. It's not used a lot in music because it's so costly. Because mm-hmm. you have to... You only get four sound channels, and you have to tie two of them up to get this one voice. But that that kind of fuzzy voice, I um, this is going to sound like I'm insulting it, but I'm not. That kind of farty voice mm-hmm. is the special mode. You know, you have to kill the you have to lose the white noise and one of the square waves to get this this noise. But it's not used very often, and I think it's such a neat sound. And you know, there's a there's a the, the Master System sound chip is very basic. It, it's On on the plus side, it's got a real purity, a real cleanness to it, just being four square waves and a white noise. But it's very homogenous. You know, Master System music from a, an action game could go into a an RPG game and no one would be any the wiser or vice versa, you know, because yeah. it's so basic. And so this brings a little extra zest to that sound chip. And so I really get a big kick out of hearing it. And... Uh, Matt Furness has done it a bunch of times. You know, he did the the Master System version of uh, Marble Madness, and it uses this effect in that game. Yeah. And what really blew me away. This is not going. No one but chip geeks are going to care about this at all. But I actually found a Genesis game that uses this PSG mode in a couple tracks. Uh, two of them. Two of them. chicken uh, Their Forever Man uses this or a similar effect in a couple tracks, and then. Uh, X Men Two, uh, X Men Two. Uh, what is the subtitle for the X Men Two game on the Genesis? I can't remember, but X Men Two uses it. So if you look up the track "Inside Avalon" or you look up the track "Inside the mm-hmm. Temple," and you listen real carefully, you'll hear this this fuzzy voice in those tracks. And when I first made that discovery in oh, 2014, 2015, I Jody was concerned because I was so excited over something so basic (laughs) (laughs) like I literally jumped out of my seat I think when it when I when I discovered it but what else was oh you would mention that this is a different system same soundtrack yes and no the uh the the master system game gear version the genesis version the nes version those are all versions of the same game and so they have renditions of the same soundtrack, yeah, but yeah. the the Super Nintendo Alien Three is a completely it's, different game. It's
1: a game. different game. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's another podcast called like Same Name, Different Game,
0: and they okay. probably have featured this. They would have had to have. I mean, it's too high profile, yeah. you know, like like Jurassic Park or uh, Aladdin, right? You know, games like those. And I miss, you right. know, I I I would say that over time I've over the past couple generations, I've, I think I've shifted to be a bigger fan of modern gaming than retro gaming. But one thing I miss is this, you know, cause we really don't have game, like different games by the same name on different platforms anymore. Like you don't yeah. really have that. You know, I'm, I'm hoping some indie dev will just, I don't know, i they're probably not listening to us, but you know, if, if anyone is, is an indie dev or an aspiring indie dev that is listening to us, go do something like that go make some indie game and like make the switch port one game and then make like the playstation or pc port like something completely different with the same name and same characters and all that stuff i will bu- if you do that i will buy every unique version
1: um yeah i don't see that happening i don't know how to put it like <laughs> i think a lot of this is an artifact, so like like you see this a lot with like licensed games like mm-hmm. some of the other examples you you mentioned hamadolby licensed games Mm-hmm. So Jurassic Park or Alien 3 or Aladdin, right? They, they have a license, but, you know, back in the day, you didn't really have one developer who could produce concurrently for like three different systems. Mm-hmm. So the license would go out to different developers and they'd each kind of do their own thing with, with the idea.
0: Sure. Yeah. So you would have, someone would have to manufacture that artificially. But yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe if there's a dev community, they could collectively come up with like a, a char- characters and story and world and all that stuff. And then different indie developers go make a version of the game. I, I don't know. It'd be a thought experiment. It wouldn't be commercially successful. It wouldn't be a commercially re- uh, rewarding thing, but it could be a thought experiment and it could be an homage to a lost aspect of retro gaming. A big part of why I consider myself a bigger fan of modern gaming is is because in and among all the other aspects that make modern gaming what it is, there's a robust retro and, and pseudo-retro pseudo vein that's very healthy today, right? You know, so I I don't envision it happening, Hugh, but I think it'd be so fantastic if it did. And if anyone in the sound of my voice thinks it's a neat idea too, you know, do it. Let us know you did it. And we'll We'll talk all about it. As far as what's next, we're going to go to the PS1. We're going to listen to track 3. If it has a if it has a better or a more uh, unique name, I'm not I can't find it. But track 3 from <laughs> Colony Wars, composed by Tim Wright, aka Cold Storage. and that is track three from Colony Wars on the PS1 composed by Cold Storage, a.k.a. Tim Wright I think I've asked you this in our private conversations but you have not played this game, have you?
1: Uh, no no <laughs> nope. Okay. I, in fact I have not played this is an episode where it's very very few number of games I've played overall, even some of my picks I haven't played
3: okay, okay
1: There's there's one or two on here
0: where it's like oh I want to play that game
1: and i've heard the soundtrack but i just haven't played it yet
0: let me take a quick look here so i've played Vision, of course we've already established that uh, same with starcraft i have played this uh, maybe we'll talk more about that let's see the other tracks yes no but i have that game on like every system that i can get it for free or cheap uh yes of course yes Yeah, so I've played every single one of my games, except for one. Uh, And that one I I have installed on the system we're recording this episode on. Uh, Yours, let's see, no. Not the Game Gear version, but the Genesis version I have. Uh, Not this version, but an earlier version. No. No. Uh, I don't think so. And then... No, but an earlier version. So yeah, okay. Um, now, what what's interesting is I've been guilty of this a lot, where since we can reuse Channel 1 tracks on Channel 2, I've had episodes where like all but one or two of the tracks I bring to an episode are tracks that have already been featured in Channel 1. And I can at least say with pleasure that of my seven tracks, only one of them has ever been on Nerd Noise Radio before. And it's the one that will, he- the one of my tracks that will hear last. So at least I'm bringing a bunch of fresh content to this episode. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're at least familiar with the conceit of Colony Wars, though, right? No, actually, I think this is the first time I heard of it. Okay. Well, story-wise, it, it's kind of a you're a band. I mean, minus So imagine Star Wars minus the Force. You know, there's no Jedi's, there's no Sith, there's no the Force, but you've got an evil empire that runs the gal, that runs the universe or the galaxy or whatever, and then you've, you're part of this rebel band that's trying to resist, and okay. you're this coalition of planets and coalition of ships and stuff, and you'll go to these little zones. It, it, mechanically, it's kind of an enclosed 3D bubble and you move on all axes, all axes and you take out these ships and take out other targets and stuff. The sequel actually is the opposite. You, you are the empire after the empire has been defeated. So it's kind of neat to get this, like now you get the other side of the story. Okay. And then there was a third one that I never played. Uh, I think it's called red sun. I do know that I think the last update was 2021, so it might be a dead project. But there was a, a website, there was a Discord feed or a Discord channel. Someone was trying to revive Colony Wars. Like a fully modern Kinda of, I guess kinda of like uh kind of like the Metroid Primary Master, but for Colony Wars and by an indevel- independent developer. <laughs> I I didn't get any I didn't see anything that gave me the impression it was DCMA. I think if it's either just it's either dormant or it, the guy just didn't wasn't able to keep it up. Okay. So It just may not have been DCMA'd yet. Yeah, right, right. Of course, this is Cygnosis. This isn't Nintendo. Maybe Cygnosis is a little more f- generous about stuff like that. Mm, well, they're owned by
1: Sony, so it's probably just a matter, right? Didn't Sony basically buy all the Cygnosis IP? Isn't,
0: I don't know. I don't know. I've never looked that up. I know all I know about Cygnosis is they're a, a British developer, and they're responsible for things like Wipeout and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, anyway, I, I I have no expectation of that project coming to fruition, but I I I hope I'm wrong. Okay. So, hopefully, someday I'll get to play Colony Wars again. So, speaking of remasters, what do you have for us next?
1: Yeah, I think this is a game everybody's played. Um, at least some version of it. Mm-hmm. This is um, DuckTales. Although I picked DuckTales Remastered because um, I think it's a fun soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And since it's a Rune of Space episode, I think it's pretty predictable what what level I picked. I picked uh, track six, The Moon. So the original composer is uh, Hiro, Hiroshige uh, Tonomura and the remix is by Jake Kaufman. All right, DuckTales Remastered. The system is literally everything that existed in t- 2013. Okay. I, I believe I looked it up and I could not find a system that was like, that was an active system, at least in 2013 that did not have a port of this. Um, What about OUYA? Uh, oh, I I really didn't think of that, but probably it did not have one, but all the main systems, you know, anything that you bought like in a store mm-hmm. had this. I'm going to just look, just to see. I actually had this on Wii U, of all things. Okay.
0: Yeah, it doesn't look like it. doesn't look like there was an Ouya version. I still have my Ouya, believe it or mm-hmm. not. Um, I don't do anything with it. In fact, yeah, it's a pretty it,
1: good. It's a pretty good little like emulation box. Like you could play the original Ducktales on it.
0: Yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, so the original. Uh, I've never played the remaster. Is it is it still available on any storefront? I'm, I mean, I'm sure there's a you could buy a physical copy.
1: Um, no, actually, that's the weird thing. It's sort of like a it has not been re remade. Okay. It's a very strange thing. Um, so the. They Probably didn't have like, I mean, again, because I think it was way forward or someone did the port, so I'm just assuming it's way, way forward because it plays like a way forward game. And Jay Coffin's the composer or remixer, um, so like whoever got whoever had the the race to this, I think probably was a limited time thing,
0: okay? So I'm looking on eBay, my goodness, this is all over the map, okay? I'm seeing. 2050 for a Wii U, I'm seeing $14.95 for a PS3, but then I'm also seeing $10697 for a PS3 version. Uh, I'm seeing 60s, like 50s and 60s. Yeah, it's just kind of all over the place. Whoever whoever is selling it for 106 bucks, you know, good luck to them. Yeah, there's a 50 there's a okay, there's a $75 copy on the Wii U that's new. Yeah, it's just all over the place.
1: Well, I bought it for like nine ninety nine, so I don't really feel uh, I, I don't I don't feel like hundred dollars is a good price for it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah, that that seventeen dollar one on the PS three would be within range. I don't know. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. But so tell. Tell those of us who have not played the remaster about the remaster. I mean, I imagine it plays just like the original, but it's got updated graphics and sound.
1: It's exactly it. It's the original, but with updated graphics and sound. Okay. And it's like, it is way forward. The same developers do Shantae. You know, they, they they've experienced doing, you know, platformer games. So it plays like the original. It doesn't play like a Shantae game. Um, It's still incredibly difficult. Let's see a very difficult game. Have you ever finished uh, DuckTales?
0: No, I have... I have pushed buttons on a controller for DuckTales uh, for a few minutes and that was it. But I know, I mean, I, I know the pogo technique, you know what I mean? So I know that's how I know I actually did play it. Because I remember that pogo technique. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm actually seeing a, a screenshot of the moon stage, so I can actually see what we'd be looking at while this music was playing. Yeah, it's just the original game with upgraded graphics and sound. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't really feel ripped off having bought a game that I can't finish, but I, I did play it quite a bit.
3: Okay. Okay. Yeah,
0: it's. I've got so many games coming my way uh, all the time that a lot of times I won't finish a game anymore. You know, what I mean. For as much as I as much as I play my Steam Deck and as much as I talk about my Steam Deck, I think I have actually only beat one game on the Steam Deck so far and that was Stray. Are you familiar with Stray?
1: Um no.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um It's Maybe we'll come back. Maybe we'll talk about that over dr- over the next. Yeah, track. let's get that uh, later. We're
1: we're already like at an at an hour into the show. I mean, yeah. more than an hour, I guess, with the music.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you, a you game I've played. You pick a
1: song from "Stray" for a future episode, and then we'll we'll talk about it.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. Like, um, what kind,
1: What genre is it? Is it's like a survival horror. I'm guessing by the name.
0: No, you're you're a cat. Oh. Like a like a like a realistic cat. Oh, maybe Not I a cartoony cat. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, maybe we'll come back to maybe we'll talk about that later in the episode or maybe we'll talk about it in a future episode. But Here we
1: could do our our all cats episode.
0: <laughs> we could do it. You keep thinking of all these these a, as a joke but actually viable themes for for yeah. uh, future episodes.
1: You could have Chester Cheetah, all that yeah.
0: stuff in there. Yeah. 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 So, my next track is from a game that I have played on the Steam Deck. It is, uh, the track's called The Sun Station, from the game, The Outer Wilds, on multiple platforms. And it's composed by Andrew Prelo. And this is actually going to take us into a, a kind of a, a deep, kind of a deep spacey ambient. This is this puts us into deep space, this episode does, where we're gonna stay for the next few tracks. Or as, um, <clears throat> as Stephen Hill from Arch of Space would say, in the deep zone. All right, so let's check it out. And we're back. That is the Sun Station from the Outer Wilds. I'm guessing you. Have, I'm, if I were a gambling man, I would say you've not played the Outer Wilds.
1: I, I've not. I actually, this is the first time I heard of it. Like I've said a few times this episode. <laughs> no, never, never even heard of this before.
0: Okay, it's a, it's a, it's a neat game. It you, uh, you travel between different planets in a little rick, rickety spaceship that you know that, uh, but. In real life, the world runs in like twenty-minute cycles. Like the sun blows up twenty minutes after the game starts, but you re, you're able to retain things you've learned and stuff. And I haven't gotten far enough into the game to describe it better than that. But my friend Joshua Lack swears by the game; like it's one of his all-time favorite games. Uh, so I've enjoyed it so far. I mean, it's got a really cute, really charming aesthetic. It's got some really great music. You know, I've I've flown myself into the sun once or twice, but I've also successfully landed on other planets a couple times and got to start exploring. And then all of a sudden, the sun blows up. But it's <laughs> I guess it's I guess it's kind of a Majora's Mask mechanic that way.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you what you described sounded exactly like Majora's Mask.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I really I've played well. I've played it. I'll up it this way. I've played it enough to have a clear impression that this is actually a really pretty great game. I just need to get back to it, you know. I I don't know. I ever since I ever since I bought N plus plus on the Steam Deck, I M Plus, you know, on the Switch you can or, organize your library by playtime. And N plus plus was like the third highest played game by playtime on my Switch. And and so I'm like, well then of course I have to buy it for the Steam Deck. And now since I've bought it, I've hardly touched any other game on the system. Yeah, I hope to get back to Outer Wilds. Because I have, I have friends that I deeply trust who, who rave about the game and what little experience I've had with it paints a picture that, yeah, this is something pretty special. I don't really have much else to say, you know, the music is great kind of space ambience. Um, it's, it's great music to kind of sit back and, and relax to. You know, maybe put on one of those relaxing YouTube videos where all the lights and colors moving, and listen to it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's very, very calming song. Definitely very, you know, maybe the most spacey song we've heard today.
0: Well, it's going to have some competition, including your next track, which you described to me as, as a, a track John you would have pick, thought, yeah. yeah, as a John pick, yeah. But this one is yeah. a Hugh pick. Yeah, <laughs> Tell so us
1: this, about this it. was actually a soundtrack I was I I like. I don't. Um, I haven't really played this game too much. Um, maybe I haven't played it at all. But the game's called The Dig. It's a it's a Lucas game, and it's a, it's a sort of space themed one. I think the idea is is you're literally like exploring an asteroid. Okay. Um, I, I was hard to pick a track because some of the songs are like classical composer pieces, just sort of remixed or sampled. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you're not sampling the original composer, but you're sampling an orchestra that... That played it. I believe this one is a completely original track, though. Um, it's okay. called uh, Asteroid Core, which I assume you hear when you're in the Asteroid Core. And the composer is Michael Z. Land. This is the dig. Um, great soundtrack. This is a very good working soundtrack, I guess, because it's generally very calm.
2: Hmm.
0: Um,
1: I think I also said this sounds more like a survival horror game than a space game. Although perhaps it's survival horror in space.
0: Yeah, that we. Yeah, it's. Let's just say both. Then we're safe. Yeah, I love the textures it, it creates. I love, um, in the little bits of. Now, I do have to kind of wonder why is there the sound of thunder on an asteroid?
1: Yeah, is, is that thunder or is that maybe. stuff colliding? I don't, I don't know. I guess I'd ha- I think maybe I need to play the game and try and understand what's going on at this point. It could be
0: something colliding. But when I was, um, when I was doing the, the, uh, finessing of these tracks for the final episode I really was pretty sure I was hearing thunder at a couple of points I don't know this track of all the tracks in today's episode this is the one that required the most touching up and audacity because it, okay. um, it had it uh, had a hiss like you know like a like background hiss and it took me a couple tries to get the hiss raw, hiss gone without really doing damage to the track in fact my first try, you can listen to the result or you can listen to the residue the part you're cutting out and the res- the re- there was so much residue that it actually sounded like its own ambient piece and so maybe at the end of the episode after the outtakes maybe I'll let you hear a little bit of that uh that accidental <laughs> accidental uh piece i created with that <clears throat> but yeah yeah no i well, whether it's thunder or whether it's stuff colliding in the background, I don't know. But it really does add to the atmosphere. Is this game available on Steam? It has to be, right? Well, let us I, I would think so. Let's see.
1: I mean, I think all the LucasArts stuff has to be, right? Let's see.
3: Okay, there
0: it is. Uh, let's see if it's rated as. It doesn't say anything one way or the other about uh, Steam Deck compatibility. In my experience, I found that
1: Everything more than half is rated ha- as not being compatible.
0: No, 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 no. We've we're up to like we're up to like eight thousand games rated as compatible, and okay, but yeah, but what I'm what I was saying is, half or more of the games that you try that aren't rated compatible are gonna work also. So it probably would work. Uh, It's only $2. Uh, I'm not logged in right now. I'll try to remember to log in later and and, uh, add it to my wish list at least. Let's see, this is from 1995. Wow, I would not have expected it to be that old. I guess I could believe that. I mean. This this music could sound like something that you'd hear on a 3DO or a CDI.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, for
1: sure. I'm wondering if maybe there's like a, a lab or something inside, or you're in, like inside the asteroid. There's some sort of environment. You know what I mean? Hmm. I wonder. I wonder if that's why
0: it's got that sound. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. It looks really neat. It looks. I'm, in fact, I'm going to just leave this Steam page up so I, you know, hopefully to remind me to go add it to my wishlist later. I, I'm stupid. I'm stupid. I've got my phone right in front of me here. I can add it to the wishlist from my phone. The world's best fingerprint scanner. Okay, added to my wish list. I know that was riveting radio we just had for the yeah, listeners yeah, there, but
1: the dead silence and, and adding stuff to the Steam wishlist. list. Y- um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it'll be. In a, I'm sure it'll be like in some you know bundle. You know, some there will be some bundle of like point and click games or something, and it'll be like a nickel.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, is there anything else you want to say about the game or about the music? No, no,
1: I guess the whole the whole soundtrack is very, you know, um, most of the soundtrack sounds more like classical music.
0: So this is does, an anomaly.
1: Kind of, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I poked through it a bit to find something that I thought fit the theme best.
3: Okay.
0: I'll have to listen to it, because the, the link you gave me was to the entire soundtrack, so it's, I have it right at my fingertips. I could listen and, and see.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, let's go to my next game. And I had mentioned that I've played every game but one, and that game is installed on every system that it comes with free or cheap. And that game is Stellaris, uh, multiple platform. I have it on the Series X and have never played it. I have it here on the Steam Deck and have never played it. Maybe I'll go play it later today. We'll see. The composer is Gustav Landerholm. And the name of the track, if I didn't already say it, is Spatial Lullaby. So let's check it out. Okay, and this is Spatial Lullaby from Stellaris. St- uh, from what I've seen of the pictures of Stellaris, you know what? In retrospect, in retrospect, I think I actually did turn the game on one time. <laughs> I think I turned right. it on and then got like five or six minutes in and then got called away to something else. So technically, I have played every game on my list. But going from the pictures, it almost makes me think of... It's one of those ones where you're, you're doing a whole bunch of stuff uh, across different planets. You know, you get like the little, the, the, you see the visual of the planets orbiting a sun and you click on them and do different things with them. There was a game on the PC from years and years ago called Space Box. And um, I remember so little about that. But what little I remember reminds me very much of Stellaris. So it looks like a really deep, rich game. It is compatible with the Steam Deck, but I I think it's probably one of those games where I'm much better suited playing it in desktop mode rather than trying to play it on the controller and stuff. One of the things I really love about this piece of music, and you're actually going to be hearing it in the background right now, are those little quarrel voices. The little woman or the woman's voice Kind of echoing what's happening with the music here. This track is so beautiful. I mean, you know, we've got a, we've got this big chunk of beautiful ambient space music, and I love all these tracks. I'm not quite willing to commit, but I very much think this could be my favorite track of the whole episode. Okay, at the well, at the very maybe not at the very least though, my favorite of the. In the deep zone section, this this neighborhood of music, this might be my favorite piece.
1: Now, have you listened to the Twin Peaks soundtracks? I I find it to be very similar to some portions of it.
0: Every you know, this is not the first time you brought up Twin Peaks, and every time uh, Twin Peaks has come up, I've always thought this. If it sounds anything like this music, it's being compared to, I'm going to absolutely adore it, and then I just never get around to it.
1: Okay, well, that's on like all the streaming services, so it's pretty easy to, to find if you're curious.
0: Well, let's have ourselves a little bit more riveting radio and just get my Spotify <laughs> trained to it so I can listen to it afterwards. Uh, Twin Peaks. Soundtrack from Twin Peaks. There's probably like, I think it's on like two CDs
1: maybe. It's like okay. It's weird thing. And then there's probably like different versions. There's like probably a music, uh, movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of the original like 19... 91 soundtrack.
0: What I found uh, looks like what you're... Yeah, okay, yeah, album. uh, uh, Soundtrack from Twin Peaks. Album, 1990. Music composed by uh, Angelo Badalamenti. Yeah. Like, okay, this this isn't going to mean anything to the listeners, but I think holding it up in front of the camera for Hugh, I think that's what you're talking about, isn't it?
1: Oh, hold on. I gotta switch windows. I have like 15 windows open. Yep,
0: that's it. Okay, all right, yeah. So that's what I'll listen to after we're done. God, I, I'm actually looking for excuses to try to drag my feet here so I can keep listening to this. But no, let's let's move on. Uh, what's your... Your next track is... Got, your, I love the title of this next game.
1: <laughs> yeah, th- this is a game I, I actually really want to play. I just haven't gotten to it yet because you, you have to like apply a fan translation and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So this was a Famicom game, never released in the US. It's um, sort of adventure game slash visual novel Um, I think it's about like a space station I think it's sort of maybe an alien type of plot where it's like a space station and something has gone badly um the title is um Jesus Kyofu no bio monster yes I believe Jesus is the name of the space station it's in all caps so it's probably an acronym of some kind
0: yeah well see I see it and it just makes me want to shout it you know Jesus Kyofu no bio monster oh
1: (laughs) (laughs) like look out there's a bio monster no no that's the name of the space station i know that much okay and uh the composer is uh koichi sugayama who of course would go on to do the uh, dragon quest games so this is like a early work of a later rpg composer later well-known rpg composer yeah and this is track 10 Aline's theme So yes, Terror of Biomonster on Space Station with the acronym that spells out Jesus. Uh, I assume you've not played this game.
0: No, no. So the tables have turned.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this is all my like games I would like to play. Q, um, just haven't gotten to it yet. Again, it's, you know, fan translation situation, um, but it's on like NES and the FM7.
3: Okay. Okay. Um, uh, MSX. You
1: know- I think it was also ported eventually like PC-88, too, but... Um, anyhow, it looks like a really... Uh, to, to me, it's the kind of game I usually like. I like some of these weird Famicom visual novel games. I've, I've tried a couple of them, but most of them didn't come out to the U.S., so you, you're kind of dependent on people doing fan translations.
0: I'm going to try to look up a screenshot of it here real quick. So, I know we talked about this in our private conversation, but the title... What the title does for me is... A little while back, I, I so I have not even once messed with um, ChatGPT, you know that side of AI. But for a little while, I really fell down the rabbit hole on the whole, uh, like Dolly and stuff like that, you know, the mm-hmm. mid this uh, chat to, or sorry uh, text prompt to AI image generator, and um, I had done Jesus versus Godzilla. Okay, and that yielded some pretty fantastic results, but that's that's what I picture in my head when I hear this title, you know.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's not it's not the biblical figure Jesus fighting a vile monster. It's, <laughs> it's, it's literally just the name of the space station, and you know, I play a lot of like Japanese RPGs, and Japanese RPGs, you know, again, Japan doesn't have Western, you know, it, it isn't a country with Western religion, right? They they incorporate a lot of religious symbolism, um, not just necessarily Christian symbolism, but like Norse and Celtic mythology. You know, like the the Trails of Cold Steel games are just loaded with like Celtic and, and Norse mythology references.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And uh, Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII is absolutely loaded with like Old Testament references.
0: Sure. Well, I mean, you don't have to you, you don't have to look any further than Castlevania. Yeah. You know to see. Crosses everywhere and all that stuff. Well, I mean, they're going—they're going after like
1: like Crisis Core is going after like, which actually goes back to Final Fantasy VII. They're going back like the One Winged Angel, you know, from oh, like sure. Old Testament, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And this, but a lot of like this just art and imagery and um, people's names. I don't want to like spoil the story of of Crisis Core, but I mean, there's names that are taken straight from from Old Testament. It's just, you know, I think I think in Japan, it's all just like, oh, this is some cool myth stuff we can incorporate in, into games.
0: Of course, of course. So one thing I will say, uh, taking it back to the game, the, the images I'm looking up for the game, the text is pretty much all in English. Now, I, I, I'm sure the original was in Japanese, but the point it, is, is it that- It was, if yeah. You, it's a,
1: it's a, if you go to romhacking.net, I believe there is, you can get the um, English fan translation.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I was wanting to, to mention. I figured- I f- I figured you knew all about it, but just in case you didn't, I wanted to let you know, hey, there's an English fan trans out there. You can go, you can go play this game.
1: Yeah. Actually, it's weird. It's not on romhacking.net, which seems, oh, wait, no, I'm in the wrong category. It is definitely there then.
0: Yeah. Well, then this, I mean, with this being so up your alley, you should, you should go play it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I have a very long backlog. Um, so yeah, there was, um. it's, On romhacking.net, there is a um, a, a translation. It was done in 2016. Looks pretty good. Mm -hmm. You know. Mm -hmm. Probably is only like a four or five hour game. I'm guessing this wouldn't be a big time commitment to play through.
0: Sure. And scattered in among the images of the Famicom version, there is also... Images from a PC-98 version. It's called, it's uh, uh, from a website, My Abandonware. So maybe it was something where they didn't, I don't know. But yeah, yeah, it looks like there is a website. No, no, of course not. Of course not. But the point is, it looks like there is uh, a version, a uh, PC-88 version. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So yeah, yeah, cool. Well, maybe it's something to, to check out. All right. Well, let's get into the home stretch here home stretch. This okay. is this is going to we're actually going to go a little bit backwards in terms of uh, a little bit deeper space musically. And then this is the last of the kind of really spacey ch- tracks before we start getting a little start to pep it up for the for the exit. We are going to hear uh, Space BGM number 5 which I guess is also title or uh, intro Screen number five from No Man's Sky, multiple platforms composed by 65 Days of Static, Earcom, and or Paul Weir. This is Space BGM Five from No Man's Sky, which is, I think, the shortest track. Definitely the shortest track we've ever featured on Nerd Noise Radio Channel Two, and maybe the shortest we've ever featured on Nerd Noise Radio. Period. A single loop of this track is what ten seconds.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's it doesn't it doesn't go anywhere, but you're you're kind of hanging out in a beautiful place in this track.
1: Yeah, it's it actually reminds me a lot of I, I put in the notes here, it reminds me a lot of the um Gone Girl soundtrack.
0: Another soundtrack you've mentioned on the show before.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's I mean it's it's um it's Nine Inch Nails that does the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't I mean it's not like what you would think of when you think of nine inch nails. It's um you know, it's a very ambient kind of like I think they I think when they wrote it they described it as like like you're in a massage parlor where something isn't quite
0: right.
3: Okay,
1: is is how they the theme they were going for with the soundtrack.
0: Looks like okay, so the soundtrack album by Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor. Trent Reznor, yeah, of which course, is, which nine is nine Inch Nails. Those are
1: the like two permanent members of Nine Snails.
0: Oh, okay. So I knew Trent Reznor, of course. I didn't realize yeah. uh, I, I've only ever brushed against Nine Snails, so I didn't know Atticus yeah. Ross was a, a member.
1: Yeah, it's it's a more he like became like the official second member sometime this in the past I don't know
3: 10 or so years okay gotcha 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 okay
0: cool cool well I'll save this tab too so I can remember to check it out later also because when you mention these things uh, as similar to what we're listening to you always mention them at the time we're listening to something I really really like so yeah, (laughs) that tells me we need to go back and listen to those um you have not played No Man's Sky?
1: No, I've heard of this one
0: at least. You know, okay, okay. It's a massive game. It, it's it's really massive. It's It's a procedurally generated universe. And you will go to a solar system, and you'll travel to different planets, and you'll leave that solar system and go to other solar systems. And it's a game that's just been continually added to, like the original iteration of this game. I know people who's early, who, who feel the earlier iterations are the, are the best, you know, uh, Keyglyph. Keyglyph uh, was madly in love with earlier iterations of the game uh, and has kind of felt disenfranchised by more recent versions because they add things like combat and they add stuff like that, you know, it really, at first it was an exploration game. You didn't really have weapons per se. You had a beam gun that that could break up rocks to harvest minerals and stuff. It was very beautiful, it still is. Actually, if anything, it's more beautiful now, uh, visually. But it, the game has has grown into something much bigger than it originally was. And that's drawn in scores of new, game, or new players, but it's also chased off some of the old guard, like Keyglyph.
1: All right.
0: It's a really neat game. I've probably put maybe five or five or 10 hours into it, which from the perspective of No Man's Sky means I basically never played it at all. (laughs) Yeah, this is one of those hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours games, A, a theoretically infinite game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It plays pretty well on the on the Steam Deck, you know. oh, Okay, I will say this, uh, and then we can move on to your track. No Man's Sky was kind of a, a watershed moment for me when it came to the Steam Deck and Switch, because there was a Nintendo Direct that happened right after, right before the Steam Deck released. Okay, and um, mentioned in this Nintendo Direct was, "Hey, we're getting a Switch. We're finally getting a Switch version of No Man's Sky after all these years. We're getting a No Man's Sky." And at the Mm -hmm. time, I was like super excited by that. But the next morning, on my drive into work, I'm like, "Wait a minute! I already own this game on PC, and the Steam Deck is coming right around the corner." And so, why am I excited about the Switch version of No Man's Sky again? (laughs) I don't know. It just
1: depends what console you play the most. I mean, I Switch is still probably my most played system.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, and and listen, I anyone listening to this, and you too, Hugh. I I absolutely am not trying to come off as bashing the Switch. The Switch was my number one system from day one until the Steam Deck. It 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 deserves its accolades. It's an amazing system, and like I said, I think I'm going to be spending a lot of time with it here uh, in the near future because of the Metroid Remix or the Remaster, and then presumably uh, Tears of the Kingdom after that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, but what stopped when I got the Steam Deck is buying games on the Switch that I could play on the Steam Deck. I have literally not done that once since getting the deck. Um, And with that, let's go to a Nintendo franchise.
1: Yeah, so this is, is, I hope, a game that everyone's also played. Um, I've played through this twice, both on the the Wii and the 3DS. That is Kirby's Epic Yarn. And this is from late in the game when Kirby is uh, traveling around into space worlds. This is called Outer Rings. Okay. Oh, the composer is Tomoya Tomita. Yeah, Outer Rings. This is actually one of the more up-tempo songs from the game. Most of the game is very rea- uh, relaxing piano type music. Okay. This is maybe the perkiest song in the soundtrack or certainly one, one of them.
0: You know, if I hadn't known better, I would have presumed this was composed by uh, Kazumi Totaka rather than uh, Tomoyo Tomita. Because okay. um, it sounds like... It sounds like... Wii Sports, we Fit. It sounds like, you know... It
1: does, yeah. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. This does sound like Wii Sports.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like um, like the golf game. You see the M- Mii's kind of just kind of hobbling across the grass field. Mm-hmm. I need to look up a picture of this scene in the game. Because uh, I have... I, uh, I'm i embarrassed to say, I don't think I've ever played Epic Yard. Oh, Really? Yeah, I know. Isn't that crazy?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a very easy game. Like, it's pretty much impossible to um, to die in the game. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just so much fun. I mean, it plays like a kind of like a 16-bit platformer. It doesn't play. All, I mean, it's. I mean, it has Kirby, but I don't really feel like it plays a ton like the older Kirby games.
0: Okay. i am looking at pictures now of this stage this is this stage kind of like a shooter stage yeah yeah okay okay i i love the aesthetic of this stage it's beautiful
1: yeah yeah this game is great all around if you can somehow pick up the uh 3ds version the, the only thing I like to play with the 3DS version is, like, this was a super easy game to begin with, and the 3DS version is, like, even easier.
0: Okay. Yeah, so I'd, I'd be torn here, because on the one hand, I spend I spend more time with my... I mean, I don't spend a bunch of time with my 3DS, but I, comparatively, I spend way more time with my 3DS than I do with my Wii. Uh, but the game would look better on the Wii. So I don't know which one I'd want to do. And I imagine it'd be cheaper on the Wii because the the 3DS remaster was what just a well it was a late release it was a very late
1: release so it's probably hard to get
0: yeah just a, well just a few years old right
1: yeah relatively speaking right probably probably four or five years old
3: okay okay
0: yeah so I will make it a point to pick up one or the other copy or one or the other version of this game but I really don't know which one that'll be.
1: Yeah, I'll be kind of surprised if this didn't show up on the Switch
0: somehow. Well, <laughs> everything has a way of doing that. Uh, if 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 I if I do hear about a Switch remaster, I will I will certainly plan on picking it up. I wonder how much they cost. More more uh, riveting radio here. Okay, so I can. So the 3DS version is still selling for full price on Nintendo.com. So forty bucks. Um, GameStop sells the Wii version for twenty-two bucks. But I'm gonna. I'm from now on. GameStop is my resort of last resort. I'll, I, I will do business with them if it's my only option.
3: Um. Okay. Yeah,
0: so I I will look at getting a copy of this game but speaking of Nintendo franchises that are really charming and really magical um, my last track of the day my goodness, we're already at the last track of the day well, second to last track of the day is uh, Space from Yoshi's Crafted World on the Switch composed by Kazufumi Umeda and I had mentioned that I have only I'm only reusing one track from the NNR back catalog today and it's this track. So, long-time listeners of the show will recognize it immediately. The rest of you, enjoy. space from yoshi's crafted world on the switch composed by Kazufumi umeda you have played this one right i have yeah yeah i played this
1: (laughs) but i played this on the wii u because as you know every wii u game is on switch just about
0: yes but i thought this game was i thought yoshi's crafted world was a switch exclusive
1: okay wait a minute
0: you you might be thinking yoshi's Yoshi's wally World,
1: a different yarn based Uh, yoshi game Um, Yes,
0: there was Woolly World.
1: Oh, that's where I played. Yeah. Okay. So then I've not played this. I played (laughs) the Woolly World. It's not the same. They're different games?
0: They are different games. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Crafted World. You know what Crafted World reminds me of aesthetically? It reminds me of Little Big Planet on the PS3. You know, like making worlds out of like. Paper towel rolls and like yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at a screenshot and, and realizing
1: it. that yeah. no, I did not play this game. I played the other one.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah, it's um, it's a blast. It's a really fun game. Uh, from the by the standards of the Switch, it's actually a very, very beautifully, very beautiful, very visually attractive game. Uh, I love the aesthetic. It's, you know, like I don't know. For me, it's kind of come for the game, stay for the look of it all. You know, and then you've got beautiful music. I mean, most of the music in the game isn't this chill and beautiful. Most of it's a little more uh, happy and bouncy, but I guess it's like this from the... It's not like this from the chill perspective, but it is kind of like this from the kiddie, playful perspective. Mm-hmm. If, you, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah.
1: It does, yeah. I mean, this this sort of sounds like the kind... It sounds like something you hear... Like, it's going to sound bad, and I don't mean it that way. It, it sounds like something you hear on, like, a, a CD for, like babies like I'm gonna it's sleep time baby CD mm-hmm. you know like a baby Einstein kind of thing mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. got that sort of feel to it
3: okay
0: yeah I know I, I not only do I not take any offense to that whatsoever but I think that's uh I think I, I think that's very apt I think yeah you're right this would be in fact uh, a shout out a uh, fellow VGM podcaster Rob Nichols uh and his wife just adopted a baby and so Rob, if you're listening to this, you know put this on the mobile in the in the baby's room, and a hearty congratulations to the mm-hmm. both of you. Uh, you are embarking on not the easiest, but the most rewarding adventure of your life. Yes. So, it
1: adoption is actually really difficult, isn't it? That's like, I hear it's a long process. I, I know I like I've no other couples that have tried, and you know, like you know, at the last second, there was a, someone change their mind or whatever you know Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't feel that like it's funny I know people who have had like adopted multiple babies from the same person that's a thing that have have you heard of that not like a family member but like okay like I had a friend who he adopted a baby he's like oh it was really easy because like I had already adopted their brother like three years ago Mm -hmm. and like so like you you met this woman and you said oh by the way if you ever put another baby up for adoption call me he's like yeah that's what we did yeah. So good for him. I know it's, it's, I just know it's a very difficult process for, for some people, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. g- good luck. It's yeah.
0: Well, anyway, yeah. So Hardy, congrats to Robin Christie yes. Nichols of rhythm. And, well, Rob of rhythm and pixels and, uh, <clears throat> Christie of, of Nichols. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so <clears throat> I don't know the baby's name. I, uh, I'll, I'll find that out, but anyway, Hardy, congrats to all of them. Uh, I think that's everything except for our typical end of show stuff. As we're going, I'm going to try to recall other things I wanted to say, but forgot to say at the beginning of the show. So I may, there may be an unplanned burst about that, but in lieu of that, let's do all the usual stuff. Let's talk about our other shows. Let's talk about, um, what's next. Let's talk about, uh, our closing track. Uh, you go first. What, what's, what's the other show you do?
1: So, uh, Retro Game Club, we haven't done an episode in a while. Um, I, I co-host on that is, um, been, been tied up. We, we knew about this. It wasn't a bad thing, but he, he's unavailable the month of February. So we'll be back think around mid-March. We'll probably have a new episode. Okay. Um, more or less something around there. And yeah, that's my main other podcast. I don't even know what our next episode is going to be about. We, we recorded a few like backup episodes that are probably out right now. They're, it was a series on uh, video game game shows.
3: Okay. so Nice.
1: Yeah, so like Starcade, Um There's a couple I hadn't even heard of. We reviewed this Canadian one that ran for years. Um, that one will be out. I don't know if that one's part of the ones we're releasing as a backup or if that's a future backup episode. Uh, but we did, I think, four video game game shows we reviewed. Okay. So that's... um. Though those were fun, those were really fun to watch. It's the kind of thing you can kind of leave out in the background. Um, that's that's about it. That's about all I got going I, on.
0: I, I haven't seen the episode you're talking about, so maybe it's going to be released later. But I think uh, the
1: Starcade one came out for sure.
0: Okay, there was there were uh, on Nickelodeon in the early '90s. There were there was a show, or, or I think it was Nickelodeon, maybe not. But I remember there being a game show game. Uh, where they were playing like Bonk's Adventure on the Turbo Graphics on the game okay. or on the show, you know stuff like that. Um, I, I, I have no other. Rec- I, I can't. I don't have any concrete details that we can figure this out with. But what, it was was it a competition?
1: Or I, were they just I playing Bonk's Adventure?
0: Well, no. I think it was. You know, like you had this team and you had this team, and there was like question and answer phase, and then. They'd take him to like a a, a mock up arcade cabinet, and then they'd have him play a video game or something. If anyone's listening to this that knows what I'm talking about, please, 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 please tell us. Um,
1: um. So yeah, the one we put out this month was Starcade. Starcade episode twelve. We talked about. Okay. Okay. So that's uh. That's out there, um, and I, I imagine we're gonna have at least one more of the backup episodes out, but I don't, I don't want to spoil it because, like I said, we did like four game shows, and I don't know what order we're releasing the backup episodes.
0: Okay, well, I'll keep an eye out for it. There was a recent episode. I don't think it was your last one, but there was a recent episode where you guys were talking about Turbo Graphics, and uh, Rob had said something about Newtopia, but I misheard him. Because, see, with music-based podcasts, I listen to them at 1x, but with talk-based podcasts, I listen to them at 2x for greater efficiency. Okay. So you guys sound like the Micro Machines guys when I'm listening to you guys, but uh, he, he was talking about Newtopia, but I could have swore I heard him say Meetopia on the TurboGrafx, and I was so taken aback by that. It took me took me longer than I care to admit to realize what game he was actually talking about, but yeah. I thought he said Metopia on the TurboGrafx, and yeah. I literally verbalized, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> like I actually said that out loud. <laughs> no, not be No,
1: No, uh, no. And That would have been. Yeah, that would be. That's a game. He, yeah, we're. That was about. That actually was our last episode. That was our last regular episode.
3: Okay. Uh, okay. We talked
1: about uh, Utopia, which. Boy, I don't know if I'd recommend. you know what? Listen to listen to the episode when it comes out when I review it, which will be mid March probably. Okay. Interesting. It was a good game for the time. I'll, I'll say that. I don't. I don't know. Like. I'm playing utopia the same time that like Nintendo put a bunch of their old Zelda games out on the switch again.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So
1: it's like, okay, well, I mean, I could play utopia or I could play links awakening.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've played played it. It's just, just not,
1: unfortunately not a very close competition.
0: No, I've played utopia. Um, because I have it. I, you know, I have the turbo graphic 16 mini, so I can play it that way. Yeah. Um, and it's no, it's, it's not a bad game. But it's not a Zelda game. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Try, though it might. It's, Zelda, it's
1: I, very Zelda-adjacent, but...
0: Yeah, yeah Zelda-adjacent. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, I don't talk about this a lot <clears throat> because I, I said I wasn't going to con, con, really consider myself a video game music composer until mm-hmm. I could do the whole thing, you know, start to finish. Like, write a piece, record a piece, get it put into a game, right? <clears throat> but I guess technically i'm a video game music composer because there was this um, old development kit uh hydra's parallax processor something 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 you know really basic thing and i my friend jay is a programmer and he programmed some stuff for it he programmed uh, a couple tools and then he programmed a couple games and he actually had he, he had me do the music for them uh, but i did it on quote unquote real instruments you know like bass guitar and keyboard and you know stuff and then i would have i'd have my uh my mom is a professional musician and she'd come over with her sheet music and we would figure out how to get this music onto sheet music and then we would give the sheet music and we would give an mp3 of my recording to jay and he would code it note by note into the game on like very rudimentary sound chips right and um and so there's two games out there that have music composed by me. Oh, wow. And one of them, yeah, and one of them was um, a game called Rand Quest. And it it was deliberately kind of going for a Zelda-adjacent vibe. But the whole time I was playing Newtopia, I was thinking, my goodness, this reminds me of Rand Quest. <laughs> so that's right. why it's relevant to to our, our, our conversation right now. So... It sounds like there's going to be a master, a sequel to the Masters of EGM, okay, and cool, the cool. Uh, the this time instead of our four favorite composers or our four top composers, it's going to be. Sounds like it's going to be obscure composers. And so, and and, and so, since we're doing, since it's in June, and since it'll be my turn to pick the episode or the Channel Two theme again, I think we'll participate. And I might actually include one of my own tracks in that episode. I might actually feature myself as a composer in that episode. Um, You can find RandQuest on YouTube. If you look for RandQuest on YouTube, you'll find it. Uh, So, all right. So, uh, Nerd Noise Radio Channel 1. Uh, For those who have not heard a previous episode of Channel 2 where we've already talked about this as many times as we've done an episode of Channel 2, it's... Very different to what you've been hearing today. It's it's um it's not a it's not a conversational show. It's a mixtape. I've settled on the term mixtape plus. You know, it's a <laughs> it's a giant music block designed to take you on a winding, twisting journey through sound. I literally put more time and energy and heart and soul into run order than I even do into what tracks to include in the first place. And then it's bookended by vaguely NPR-style intro and outros. You know, inspired by. Uh, Well, primarily uh, NPR's Hearts of Space, you know Um, uh, You know a couple times I've done some in this episode I've done some very 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 shoddy poor attempts at impersonating Stephen Hill when I do my channel one intro I'm actually not deliberately impersonating him. I'm trying to thread that needle in between I'm, I'm deliberately borrowing some of his delivery ticks, you know, so I'm invoking him, but I'm not trying I'm not trying to be Stephen Hill. I'm trying to be John doing what Stephen Hill does. I guess you could put it that way. Um, But Channel One's been around since January of 2017. And so there's quite a backlog. I would not recommend starting with the early episodes because the production quality is so atrocious on the early episodes. Start with something recent and work your way backwards. But there is just several years of music. I mean, I think over the course of the life of Channel One, we probably are up to about 5,000 tracks we've shared. Something like that, maybe three thousand, but just an insane amount of music. So, if you've not checked out Channel One, check it out. If you like the episode you hear, deep dive it. There's just tons of stuff. So, what what do you what do we have ne- coming up next for Nerd Noise Radio um, on Channel One? We have a special guest uh, it next month in March. I'm not going to say who it is. It's a fellow VGM compo- uh, podcaster, VGM podcaster, and um, that's all I'm gonna say about that uh, I don't think we have a theme yet for our next channel two in April it's Hugh's turn to pick so whatever he says goes but I don't think we have anything yet
1: it's not gonna be the cat's idea but it'll be fun. <laughs> yeah.
0: oh you know what we could we could do a technic on a technicality we could include music from zero wing
1: I suppose yeah that's all <laughs> the more reason to not pick that theme Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, although maybe I will pick a Chester Cheetah song. We'll see. I don't know. I seem to recall that game did not actually have a bad soundtrack.
0: No, it has a good soundtrack, actually. Yeah. Well, we'll get back to you. Just keep, you know, stay tuned. We'll get back to you with what our next episode theme is going to be. And then I don't think, I mean, I've got my April Fool's episode together already. I think it's fun. I hope you get a kick out of it, but I'm not going to say anything else about that for now. I think that's it. I think all that's left to do, unless I suddenly say, oh crap, I remember everything I was going to say for the next, you know, for the past like three or four episodes that I always forget to say, cause I never write notes, you know, starting next episode, I'm going to start writing notes. So I remember everything I want to say, but for now, that's it. Let's talk about our closing track and, and get out of here.
1: Yeah. So for the the second time I'm picking like an early track by someone who is more well known for doing RPG soundtracks in the future. Um, so previously, you know, we had the uh, uh, Terror of Bio Monster song, which is by mm-hmm. the uh, Dragon Quest composer. So this is a, a, Se- a Sega Genesis Mega Drive game, Space Invaders 91. The composer on it was uh, Noriyuki Awarde, who you may know better from doing the Lunar and Grandia soundtracks. Mm-hmm. Uh, those two series have amazing, simply amazing soundtracks that I don't feature enough on here. Well, you, and, you mentioned. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no. No, fine. I was just.
0: Gonna say, I was. I was going to say you've mentioned uh, Iwadari-san uh, as one of your favorite composers of all time. Wasn't yeah. he kind of a runner-up for uh, our our Masters of EGM last year?
1: He he was. Yeah. I mean, I was like him and like Koji Kondo um, were very hard ones to exclude.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it was, it was both uh, very difficult decisions there. Uh, but it may help feature some more stuff from him in the future. Um, he does really good, like Lunar and Grandy. He does really good uh, battle themes. That seems that's one area that he really excels in.
2: Hmm. Mm. So sure.
1: uh, this is track 14 from Space Invaders 91, which is used in rounds one and nine in the game. Okay. And this is a um, this is maybe the second perkiest song that we're going to have on this episode
0: it's yeah because when we were doing the planning on this episode we 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 were trying to figure out where to put it and it didn't really work adjacent to any of our other tracks Mm -hmm. so it was kind of like you know what we've had a pretty mellow episode why don't we go out with something more of a bang
1: yeah yeah that's yeah that's definitely the case here all right so uh here it is space editors 91 track 14 uh thanks for listening is this thing recording or not yes okay mic level is a little low let's see what can i do
2: about that boom
1: are you recording yeah you're louder no you're still not very loud Mm. Well, I guess it's will have to do. I think it's solid enough.
0: Test one, two, test one, two, test one, two, test one, two. No, 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 no. Okay. Test one, two, three, test one, two. Okay. Good, good. I think we're in business. Okay. Good deal. Okay, so, uh, calendar, because we were originally going to do this on the 23rd, that might not be feasible unless I kill myself, which I've kind of, that's kind of been my resolution not to do anymore. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to, I'm going to do the intro twice, I'm going to do it once presuming the 23rd and once presuming uh, March 2nd. So. All right, I'm gonna improv the little ear catcher. Okay, all right, that's fine. Um, So let's count the music in uh, three, two, one. How are the levels for you? Okay, so I'll bring us in here in just a right when the music kind of kicks up. Thank you for joining us, dear listeners. You are tuned to Nerd Noise Radio Channel 2. C-2... Uh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that face says everything, Hugh. Okay. Uh, you are tuned to Nerd Noise Radio Channel... No, they... I really should have a script for the intro. Thank you for joining us, dear listeners. You are tuned to Nerd Noise Radio Channel 2. Today's broadcast is C2E11 for either February 23rd, 2023, or March 2nd, 2023. We're going to leave ourselves flexible on that point. Today's theme is space and extraplanetary music on a program we're calling It's Space Time! Okay, we'll see if that doesn't blow out. Three, two, one. Sorry. I forgot to count us (laughs) in. Sorry about that. It's all right.
1: (laughs) Okay, interesting. you are finally working
3: okay
0: <clears throat> I gotta check my levels here okay do I look good yeah I guess I look pretty pretty good I I'd like it to be a little stronger but that's better than blowing it out uh so you can't hear this because I'm talking to you on my stupid little headset here but I have a uh, brand new mic in front of me I can see it yeah $400 mic I'm that dumb that's yeah that's that's a lot <laughs> <laughs> but I I guess is to the best of my understanding this is literally the most popular microphone ever ever uh, for like radio like professional radio stations and podcasters and youtubers and stuff like that so okay that's gonna be affordable so I'm kind of excited from that perspective it blew up.
1: Okay, so you're having problems all, all over the place. All right, so we should get going. All right, so I'm recording this as a backup. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, SSDs um do not have the world's greatest reliability. I shouldn't say that. I've had, like, an SSD as my boot drive here for, like, 10 years, and it hasn't fried yet. So, well, I have room for 4,500 hours, so I think I'll be okay. If the podcast goes that long, I will throw myself off the roof though
0: while we're working well this is building up to come in i'm just going to see if i can do a better stephen hill impersonation in the deep zone we have no okay forget it forget it okay all right and we're back that is the sun station from the outer wilds okay so of my tr- i'll start with my tracks uh i've played Phantom of vision of course I've played StarCraft. We've already established those. I've played uh, Colony Wars. Uh, I have played Outer Wilds. I have not played Stellaris, but I have it on every platform where it's free or cheap. So I I have it on my Steam Deck. Mm -hmm. I have it on Xbox Series X because it's part of the uh, Game Pass, but I have not played it yet. Uh, No Man's Sky. Yes, of course I've played that. Oh my goodness. I... Okay, I'm gonna we're gonna edit that entire thing out because I'm basically spoiling all. Yeah, you're, the- you're spoiling the rest of the tracks. I'm like, what's
1: okay. going on here? That's going in the quite blooper a change to format.
0: Yeah, that's going in the blooper reel. Okay, so all right, let's see where good jump back point. So let me look at my games and see which ones I've played. So I've played Fanavision, of course. We've already established that. Uh, same with Starcraft. I have played this. Um, maybe we'll talk more about that. Let's see the other tracks. Yes. No, but I have that game on like every system that I can get it for free or cheap. Uh, Yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. So I've played every single one of my games except for one. Uh, And that one I I have installed on the system we're recording this episode on. All right, let's check it out. Uh, Three, two, one.
1: Yeah, this is a pretty obscure game. Oh, wait, hold on.
0: I'll have to plug this into because I, I I quickly plugged it into um, Google Translate. Okay. But it's 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 not doing anything with it. Um, yeah.
1: Terror of Biomonster is the exact Te- translation.
0: Okay, okay, all right. Because I knew everything except for Kyofu. I didn't know ki- what Kyofu meant. So, terror, okay. All right.
3: Yes.
1: So, yes, Terror of Biomonster on Space Station with the acronym that spells out Jesus. Oh, and the composer is Tomoya Tomita, which I'm sure I butchered.
0: <laughs> you did, but that's okay. All right. Uh Three? Three? Oh, sorry. You want me to say, oh, okay. you I can, can, it. can you it.
1: fix it after we, uh, yeah, come back in.
0: Perfect. Okay. okay. All right. Three, two, one.